Welcome to another episode of Where They've Been. My name is Jeff. I'm here with my co-host, the incredibly good-looking and freshly worked-out guy, Zach Bort. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Feeling good. Feeling better now that you know I get to see your face. So, you know, can't complain. Yeah, it's good, man. It's always good when you get to throw the kettlebells around, you know, the good old monkey kettlebells that you got. Big Joe right. Rogan guy over here. That's right. I wish. Gotta do it, man. <laughs> Gotta do it. Anyways, I'm just so hyped to be here. I told you earlier, I got some caribou coffee in me tonight. It's pumped. It's a good day. It feels Minnesota cold. Brand. It feels dark. It feels depressing, but we are going to push That's through. Right. Is anybody else with me? It is dark at 3 p.m. Or it's something. horrible. It's like no, ridiculous. It's, it's the worst. No, I think we should abolish. Why do uh, we not live d- in Arizona? Daylight time. Yeah. Why do we one. not live in Arizona? Yeah. Well, because it's really hot there, but I don't care. You'd rather have hotness all the time than have daylight saving time? I wake up and it's dark. I get home from work and it's dark. It's depressing. I look Anyways. into my soul. It's dark. I'm just complaining. <laughs> on. Uh, hey, uh, you don't feel dark after this podcast. No, not at I all. I had an incredible conversation with my friend Stephen Glazer. He's an incredible guy. It's such a fun conversation. He does so many incredible things. And he shares some really, really cool personal wins and stories from this past season. You're going to love this conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Stephen. Welcome to another episode of Where They've Been. I'm here with my friend, Stephen. And uh, before we uh, jump right into it, I just want to say one quick thing. If you're a follower of Stephen and you've listened to any of his stuff, you know that during COVID, he had this little Stephen with coffee type deal. Coffee with Stephen, right? Stephen with coffee. Yeah. Look at me. Cor- no, quarantine quarantine coffee with friends quarantine coffee with friends look at me i'm terrible all i know is i loved his graphic and so i actually direct messaged him on instagram and i said hey i love your graphic can i basically rip the exact look of this and make it the podcast theme and he was like sure i guess and i was like cool so i sent that to a friend who made the where they've been so if you like the where they've been graphic you probably want to listen to quarantine coffee with friends with steven glaser because it was absolutely amazing that's amazing yes my my two-month covid project it was cool beginning of covid it was cool (laughs) it was like my way of you know catching up with friends yeah in a time when i was like how do i how do i hang out with my friends what if we just did instagram live and what i what i realized like all my friends have such valuable things to say although they may not think that they have like this big platform you know right like they're not going to be on the bob they're not going to be on the Bob Goff podcast, but they can be on Quarantine Coffee with friends. Yes, with dude, that 25 is twenty-five viewers. That's exactly how I feel too. It's like it's the best. Yeah, I mean, and it's cool too because the whole like 
idea of this podcast is like everybody has a story and they share their story. And my hope is that through sharing their story, that some we will all learn some wisdom and then have some hope for where we're going in the world. So like we can learn from you. We can learn from everybody who comes on this. And I think it's cool for me because I get to learn every episode. Hey, I, man, I've take I've written these things down. I have a folder on my phone of like all the boom points. I like to call them that people say, I'm like, this is good. This is good. Like, so that's why I agree with you hundred percent. Like they have incredible things to say. It's not just the Bob Goffs, even though Bob is amazing, but you know, like it's not just that oh, we have good yeah. ideas. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, man. So right now we were just talking, you are back in the good old Midwest from your back from your sojourning victory in the East Coast over there in New Jersey. Is that a New Jersey accent? I don't even know. Do they have accents? Oh, for sure. They call (laughs) water. They call water water. No, It's, it's very, it's very like New York. It's very, you know, like, Macaw. Oh, really? Okay. It's kind of, it's very rough. I don't even want to, you know, try it, but. Right. You You know, it's just a lot of quaff. It's like coffee, you know, coffee. Okay. Gotcha. You know, some of that stuff. Well, now you're back in the motherland. Water. Water? Yes. Yeah, that's water. They call snow cones water ice. No. They call, they call sprinkles jimmies. What? Like, that's a glitch in America. I mean, (laughs) it really is it really is well yeah no we are we are back in the midwest we our unexpected journey east has now brought us back to yes. the midwest so yeah we're happy we're happy to be back we had a it was it was amazing it was like you know for for me i loved kyle like it was something that i i never really saw myself transitioning out you know my boss and i the legend brad lewis yes you know, we kind of begun kind of planning for the future of post Brad, which is kind of hard to imagine. Um, Seriously. And then God just kind of, kind of started to stir something in our hearts that kind of came out of left field. And wow. then we were on the East coast for two years. Now we're back. That's crazy. And uh, next time I go to the uh, good old ice cream store, as my son likes to call it, take me to the ice cream store. I'm going to say, throw some Jimmy's on that for me. And, and they will look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> So let's go back to the beginning of your story. So you grew up, as you said, in the good old Midwest, right? You grew up in, was it Bismarck or Fargo area? Grew up in Bismarck. Okay. Yeah. Bismarck, born and raised. Bismarck, born and raised. All the Bismarck boys that I know from North Central, you know, I because that's actually how I get got to meet you for the very first time yes. was not even through Chi Alpha, but it was at Caleb's wedding. Caleb and Autumn. That's crazy. It was, were you at his bachelor party? Yeah. When you were like, yeah, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, you were over there. Like, we're like, who's this skinny kid who's out jumping all of us in this football and putting us to like, you had a juke that I'm pretty sure just destroyed all of our knees. And I'm like, this is a joke right here. (laughs) Oh man. I'll take it. I'll take it. You're like, you know, yeah. I've, I've played some football before. It's not, I'm not a big deal, not, but not competitively. I was actually too little to play competitive football. Really? Like they had a, they had a weight cutoff. Like when all my friends started in like fifth grade or whatever, you had to be like 75 pounds. And I was probably like 68, you know, soaking wet. and so my parents didn't let me play. And so I was just like, 
I was always the friend who was at practice and I would just throw, throw it. And, but I never got to put pads on. So Dang. Just, my backyard football was like my glory days. It is. So. It's you're like Shane Falco. I'll give you that. I mean, it's just like, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. That's pretty interesting yeah. because I was on the other end of the spectrum where I was so heavy as a fourth grader <laughs> that they made me play with the sixth graders. Do you know what they, do you know what they called those? This is crazy. Do you know what they called those in Bismarck? No. The kids that were like too big to carry the ball, they called them beefers. No. No joke. And they had to wear like a red, a red big sticker on their helmet so that if like they got an interception or recovered a fumble, it was just dead. They couldn't run because they would truck people. Because they, they were beefers. Oh my goodness. See Zach, who's insane? the co-host of this, he's gonna love it because his his handle on Instagram is beefy Jesus freak, and he's gonna be like, That's me. I'm a beefer. <laughs> I'm a beaver. <laughs> I always like, there's a story of this guy. He was overweight and he literally had to run circles, like run laps to try to get down to weight. Cause he, he was over the weight of like the league itself. Oh my gosh. That's so he had sucks. to like, sweat it out. Yeah. Sweat it out just to play fifth grade football. That's I would have quit at that point. It's kind of like, well, but he needed it. He needed to sweat off the weight. He needed it. That's he's like super successful today and not, yeah. and he's, and he's pretty thin. So, I mean, he's, he's done well for himself. Yeah. He, it was just water weight. You know what I mean? He just needed <laughs> just to burn off weight. it. <laughs> okay. So Bismarck born and raised. Yeah. And uh, there you go. You didn't have to deal with any beefers on the football team. I did, I did not. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up um, a part of the assemblies got church. Like my parents, had an encounter with Jesus and a lot of members of my family did, you know, before my brother and I were born. And so when we came into the picture, like my parents were very passionate about Jesus. It wasn't just like something we did on Sundays. It was like what our family was about, what our life was about. And so I'm very thankful for that upbringing. Like Jesus was real. Um, You know, I got to be a part of an awesome church and just like every other kid, like you have experiences of, hypocrisy like you see something that's not lining up but I feel like there's a lot of grace in our home and just like in our circle that I realized like it wasn't about perfection you know Mm. um so I never like had a major falling out I just kind of was like that kid who desperately wanted to find my place wherever Mm. I was you know and and so for me a lot a lot of my life was sports you know, a lot of my life, it was, you know, being successful in, you know, sports and school and all that stuff, like trying to fit in, you know, I was, like I shared earlier, I was very small for my, my size. And so yeah. or <laughs> small for my age, small, so, for your age, you know, like, small for your size, yeah. either way, yeah. it all works. <laughs> and both. Yeah, I was small for a small kid. <laughs> uh, so like the, the class pictures, it was like, our class went, you know, tallest to shortest, like tallest in the back. I had my own row, you know? Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I think honestly that, you know, I always like joked about like, Oh, I love being the small kid, but I think every kid in that position, like wants to be bigger in some sure. way, shape, you know? Sure. And so, you know, for me, it was always using my humor, like using mm-hmm. things that would kind of like maybe break down the walls, get me in with the, the right crowd, you know? And, and so really just kind of entered this, like, you know, I knew I was right, but it was also like, I also wanted to fit in. And mm. so there was this hard balance for me where I desperately wanted to, to be accepted, but I also 
knew that to truly be accepted, I would have to compromise. And I wasn't willing to do that. But mm. I also, so I just hung out in limbo a lot, like wanted to be, a, wanted to follow Jesus, but also wanted to follow the crowd and didn't know where I fit in, you know? That's interesting when how you kind of broke that down, because I think not many people stay in limbo. They either jump to one extreme or the other, you know, like I can say for me, I definitely jumped into the extreme of like, I want to be accepted. So I'll kind of do whatever you need to do um, to be accepted at this point. So that's interesting. How do you, you feel like you feel like being able to kind of hang out in the middle, trying to fit in gave you like when you went to say you went to church on a Wednesday night or whatever, you felt like you were the same person as you were at school the next day? Or did you kind of feel like I'm trying to fit in at both places differently? Oh, I, in, in some ways, I felt like a total fraud, mm. you know, like, I think I had, you know, I never, and, and I think this is what I worked out of a lot in my discipleship journey, or, you know, have worked out a lot in my sure. discipleship journey is like, I never committed any of the big ones, you know, mm-hmm. like, growing up in the church, like there was things like, you know, alcohol, sex, you know, drugs, sure. like, a lot of those things were kind of the big ones. And so for me, like I ended up building a lot of pride in my life because mm. I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't doing any of that stuff, but I was also as complacent as I'll get out. And I, my thought life was, was screwed up. And, but like, so I would be at church or I'd be at youth group and, you know, I was accepted there, you know, and I, I was a good kid in both places, but, you know, it was my inner life. And, and so it was really kind of, especially in, as I got older, it was kind of miserable, you know, mm. trying to, trying to navigate who I was in which place. So again, it wasn't like this major s- switch. It was just like how I talked, how I joked, you know, worshiping Jesus came easy, but then the guilt came just as easy yeah, in the shame exactly. when, when that wasn't who I was in the other setting. And so, yeah, it was just like a lot of image management um, and, and also just a lot of like little white lies that you don't realize how much it hurts you, you know, as you, like, it was just managing where, you know, where my parents thought I was and right. who I was with and like I had the friends that I wasn't supposed to hang that hang out with that much and they're right you know <laughs> um but you know so if we watched if we watched a certain type of movie that w- wasn't cool in my house I would just say it was a different movie and I would right. like try to re- remember like the funny parts of the movie or whatever so I could pull it out and I probably looked like <laughs> such an idiot to my parents like yeah that was scripted you know yeah yeah exactly <laughs> You, you're yeah. just over there googling stuff on the way home if that was before like that was before yeah, that google was before so you're having a look google. and stinking papers i i had to carry a i didn't do this but carry a stack of <laughs> dvds with me so i could read the back of it <laughs> a boy it is it is late teens yes i had a black member uh black buster <laughs> membership just so that i could get away with watching the bad movies you just see Steven in a blockbuster being like, okay, is this God's not dead? Number one. What is this one about? Dude, we would, we would burn through different people's blockbuster accounts. Like we all had like four just because we all had late fees. And so we had to, we, we would like skip over who, who didn't have a late fee really, to, to not, have, to not have to pay it off. Like I probably, 
you I've got pretty still good owe. credit. <laughs> I probably got pretty good credit, but if they found out my my blockbuster bill, I'd be in trouble. See, I don't know about the blockbuster life because I was never in that. There was the only family videos around us. Oh, yeah, yeah, blockbuster man. I like. I have no was idea it? about the points. Nothing like you can educate us all because I have no idea what you're talking about. All all I remember about blockbuster is I had this real fear walking in that you know. I mean, I didn't know what the IRS at the time was, but I thought the IRS or the government <laughs> coming after you, somebody was going to come down on me because I used like my cousin's blockbuster account. Okay. So I didn't get charged extra, you know? Okay. A rewind fee or something, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Be kind. Rewind. You got to bring it back. You know, those VHSs, you know? Oh man. Rewind fees. That's unbelievable. That makes me think of like Seinfeld in the nineties. Like that's, that's, that's back in the day throwing it way back yeah that's me i'm a 90s kid you're a 90s kid i'm with you i'm a a 90s kid so you know what i found interesting i find interesting about what you said is like feeling that like fraud type stuff did you ever we're jumping a little bit ahead here in your story but did you ever feel that in ministry because i'll just tell you from my personal experience there were certain positions that i filled and in those positions I'm, I'm still working through it now, just to be honest with you. But in those positions that I filled, I knew what role I needed to play in order to succeed the most. So if you need to be the funny person in order to make everyone like you so that you can get ahead of the game, you can be that. If you need to be, you know what I mean? And it's, it's mm-hmm. almost an unconscious decision, maybe based on just self-preservation, that I'm going to move forward. And so there are positions where I would be feeling like a fraud, even though I'm being a version of myself, but it's to the extreme in order to fit whatever that role needed or that crowd needed me to be. Does that make sense? Like, do you feel like you can fall into that or no? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, again, that's probably, it's taken different forms. So, you know, like high school, it was that like kind of total two different people in some ways. Exactly. Um, but then as, as it, you know, early on in college, I kind of became like the, you know, the entertainer, the ringleader, like I, sure. I would do our announcements. I would do our announcements for Kyle for our college ministry. I would, you know, I, I had a mic in my hand quite a bit. And so when we were at parties, I was kind of the guy that like our ministry parties, people would kind of look at me like, what are we going to do now? Like, and so yeah. I kind of became, I kind of became like that. And so but really my personality is a lot more like the way I refuel is by, you know, being alone, reading, hmm. you know, I, I write a lot. I'm very like introspective. So I, I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of reading. Um, and so I think there's just like this kind of, I don't know, battle of like, this is what people kind of expect me to be. Sure. So sometimes I felt as I kind of grew into my identity in Christ even more. Like, I think there's a time where I can held on to that. Like I, I have to be this for other people, mm. but it wasn't me, but really, I think the biggest thing has just been, you know, I, one of my like core values is being authentic hmm. and I always want, I want to be real. And so like for Taylor and I, my wife, we, when it comes to marriage, like we had a lot of fluff, you know, a lot of people that kind of said like, Oh, marriage is so this and that, and it is great. It's wonderful. But we, we want to actually walk 
couples through like the difficult parts of it. Absolutely. So we're always, we're always very open parenting, marriage, purity, whatever the case is. So, but when you come, when it comes to like teaching and, and being a leader, there's just oftentimes like, it's not the right setting to just be exactly. Yep. And so I think that's something that I've struggled with is like, it's okay to not be perfect and to not like have everything figured out, but I still feel like an imposter. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's that level of like grace that I'm still learning to walk in. And so like, even just, I just spoke at a, you know, I haven't done as much speaking regularly in the last two years. Um, And so I was just at a retreat, you know, with our, with our boy, Ryan Coster. Um, And like, there's things I was teaching on that I'm not perfecting or I'm not like fully living in. And like most of it is something that I'm living in, but I would, you know, whatever the the thing was, I would say it. And I'd be like, in my, the, in the inner dialogue is like, you liar, you liar, but like, you don't, you don't do that. Why are you telling, you know? And, and so it's just kind of that, like, it's hard to navigate what's good and what's bad in it, you know, For for sure. It's something that every leadership position I've been in, there's that, I feel like you need to present yourself a certain way. And then there's that grace of like, no, <laughs> right. Let's settle into who I am. Yeah. Not about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Like you said, like, I, I think that's really cool that you try to be as authentic as you can be. And that's a core value. And I think from the outside looking in at you and Taylor, you can see that that is a core value for sure. So I think to me, that makes a lot of sense that you're like, yeah, I'm trying to be authentic and I want to be real but it's still a challenge, you know, like, it's still like, I'm still going to feel these ways, or I'm still gonna maybe fall into like, okay, I got to be the party thrower at this point, you know what I mean? Or everyone's looking to me, you know, in this maybe hint of arrogance in my mind, maybe not yours, but it's like, I got to do this, but you still got to, it comes back to like, how can you find your identity in Jesus, not in your position, not in your authority, not in your influence, but in Jesus. And I think that is the most difficult thing in that realm of leadership, I think, that you can do. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I think to, you know, also as a young leader, I'm sure you can understand it as well, but you work with amazing people like I had. Dave, Nate Liedall, Steve Pavic, like all these guys that in our, in our community are legends, you know? Yeah, they are. And, and so I, like, I was growing up with a lot of them and I was a few years behind all of them. And so there's this, like, nobody asking me to be them, but this inside thing Mm -hmm. that I felt like I needed to match up. So I needed to date like they dated. I needed to speak like they spoke. I needed to, um, you know, lead like they led. And, and it wasn't until really I was transitioning out of Chi Alpha that I started to really, like I had a year and I would love to talk about this more because I had a year where I really felt the wrestling in my heart of like, this is going to end. Like, this isn't Mm. what I have for you anymore. Mm. And at the time I didn't know what that next step was. I remember being, you know, my wife was about eight months pregnant and we were uh, actually prepping the nursery and like as we were going through everything like I I just broke down I was like I think our season in Kyle is coming to an end and and I was like and I don't know what what we're gonna do and 
we're having a baby and I don't know how we're going to lead us. And like, I right. just started to have like a breakdown and it was that same night where the Lord just kind of like brought the story of Abraham hmm. kind of like I, it was one of those things, you know, I didn't just like blindly open my Bible, but I felt like I was supposed to read the story of Abraham and it was go to the place that I will show you. It wasn't go to this coordinates. It was go and I'll show you where I'm leading. Yeah. You. And, and I think that's really where we're at now too, is like, I think for a time I had this idea of like, my next job is going to be the calling where I think I'm living in my calling. It's just always changing, you know, exactly. yeah. the coordinates of, of where I live that out. But, you know, so for one whole year, that was like May, I didn't, I didn't move to New Jersey until the following August and wow. I didn't, so I it's didn't over a year. That, yeah. And so I didn't, I, I didn't know I was leaving until February. So nine months of making a decision and, you know, just being in like this wilderness, like just kind of trying to navigate. But it was in that time that I felt like I finally gave God the space to really reveal that my identity was really rooted in ministry, mm -hmm. you know, and what I was doing, what I was producing, the dreams that I was dreaming was all kind of like, how can we grow Chi Alpha? When, when that started to be kind of uplifted, it was like a mourning process. It was like a mm. deep, like reach into my heart. And, you know, I, I just remember like having these prayer times that early on, that was like God saying, if I were to take Chi Alpha from you, who are you? Like, what, what would you do? And I wow. would just break down because I didn't, I didn't know. Like, I just, I didn't know what I was passionate about. Like, I love students and I love this and I love that. But if I don't have that as like the medium or like the, you know, the, the venue to do that, I didn't know. And so that was kind of like the deep dive of like, I didn't really have a guide. I just went with, with Jesus and just allowed him to rebuild, you know, not rebuild, but like show me again who he was calling me to be, show me who he was, you know, and yeah. started to live according to that. And so it was really a, like this deep uprooting while leading Chi Alpha. That's <laughs> so crazy. No, and for, for nine months, really nobody knew what was going on other than a handful of people. Um, you know, nobody knew I was leaving. We didn't know we were leaving. And so there was just this kind of like us journeying with, with God, just the two of us mm. of breaking, really breaking us down. And then yeah. God just kind of building us up because I, I wasn't burnt out but I could see that if I stayed on the same trajectory by now, I probably would have been. Sure. Um, and so it was, it, it was a, a journey, you know, and then obviously that leads us to the last two years out in New Jersey too. So can you tell me why, like, you feel like Chi Alpha was such an important season to you? Cause I think I know a little bit, but like just maybe expand of it. So you come out of high school, like we said, like you're in this season of like, you're a Christian, you grew up in a Christian home, but now you're going into college and you went to NDSU, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. went to NDSU and then you're, you start with Chi Alpha there. Like you said, you were, you were one of those people. Um, you're one of the MCs. So you helped kind of run the service as a student leader in Chi Alpha. So it, it, uh, why does it, why did it mean so much, not only for your years in college, but also in ministry? Well, I, you know, when I came to NDSU, I didn't, I was pretty purposeless. So like in what I explained earlier growing up, like 
I was all, it was all sports and fitting in all these things. So I came to college and I felt like I was at a crossroads because there was a lot of things that were happening behind the scenes where I was kind of discontent with like, I don't know, the hype version of youth group. Sure. Of like yeah. flashing lights and all this stuff. And like, I had an amazing youth pastor, Terry Parkman, my last two years. And, you know, he and his wife, they, we would have worship nights in their living room. They gave us like this CD with worship music on it and a journal. They taught us how to journal. They taught us how to just like seek God. And so there was a kind of a turning point in, in those last years of high school where I started to really want something deeper, but I wasn't, I don't know. It just wasn't time yet, you know? So I came to college, I came to college was put in a small group with a guy named Dave Liedall, who was like a fifth year senior at the time. Um, and our first time having a small group, he's like, Hey, I'm going to come a little early, you know, we'll hang out. And we walked around our entire dorm. So 50 rooms on my floor and the next floor up and we knocked on every door and invited guys. And so I was knocking on doors, not knowing what I was inviting them to. Like, yeah, just come, come <laughs> hang out. But by the, by the end of that year, we had over 20 guys wow. crammed into my little dorm room, just seeking God together and doing life together. And you know, we were vulnerable. We, you know, I learned how to like share the deepest parts of, of me and that, and thinking that I was going to be rejected, you know, trying to always put on that facade yep. Yep. and it broke down because I, I remember telling Dave, like some deep stuff that was going on in my life, some purity stuff. And, and I just, he had tears in his eyes and he hugged me and he just said, I love you. And I was mm. just like, well, and, and so that's just kind of catapulted this journey of like, I want as many people to experience what I did. And, exactly. you know, we had, we had guys get saved in our dorm room. You know, that was a big deal for me because up until that point, like, you know, naive, naively, you know, like they have to come to church to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, that makes but sense. we were just like, we were just like sharing our lives and, you know, guys were getting curious about why we were the way we were and why Dave was the way he was. And, um, you know, and we had, we had a guy who broke his elbow and it got healed and wow, he got healed while we prayed at, at our small group and so in your stuff dorm like room? this in my dorm room and like, so cool. stuff like this, that, that was happening. And so I was just like, God is so real. And, and it was really, it wasn't like that was the first time I was realizing that it was like being a part of a community of young people that were passionately in love with Jesus. And it was not fake. It was not fluff. It was not hype. It was just loving Jesus and letting him work through them that I wanted, I wanted that. So really those next three years, like I still felt from like a career standpoint, very purposeless. I changed sure. my major from sports management. Cause that was one of, it was that or sports turf management. Uh, when I was a freshman, like I was like, it had sports in it. That's a thing. I don't, like I didn't I don't, even realize yeah. that was a major. That's awesome. Who, who grows the grass at the fields, man. Well, somebody, um, and I'm, I'm watching their ASMR videos now on, on Instagram, you know, where they like are spray painting the thing. Like those are the coolest videos. So that could have been you. Dang it. It could have been me. So I, I changed my major to public relations and advertising. My friend was going into ministry, but he wanted to be at a secular university because he okay. just felt like what better place to learn how to minister to people that don't know Jesus than on a place that people don't know Jesus. That's incredible. And yeah. I just fell in, I fell in love with that whole idea. And so, you know, I, I went through my major, I had some friends that helped me get through it by making me study guides and stuff. Cause I just had, <laughs> there's times where I just had such little drive to like, 
you know, do a speech on, you know, a war or like on, you know, something that didn't matter to me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so there is, but there's also grace to that because now a lot of what I do is PR and advertising. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's so cool. I carried it with me. Yeah. But, you know, like really like Matthew 633 was the verse that I started to live by, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things Mm -hmm. be added to you. So it was like all these things that my classmates were worried about. And I was worried about at time. What was I going to do? All these things. I, I just became like, you know, fixated on or tried to become fixated on Jesus and just doing, building his kingdom on our campus. And it, it was like the most, it was a beautiful time of my life just because it wasn't perfect by any means, but I was just surrounded by these people and we were seeing broken people brought into relationship with Jesus, just like we were. And it was just contagious. Like that's the way I can describe it. It was just like, I had a classmate that, that came and she, she got saved and she got plugged into a small group and she became a small group leader. It's like, you know, I had a professor that, you know, I started praying for and God just started opening doors to like share with him. And he ended up writing his college dissertation on the the uh, connection between like faith and communication. What? And he like interviewed me and a couple other students and like helped us. We helped him find Bible verses that basically his question was like, why is it that Christians seem to understand relationship better? And like through that, like just these different things just started to keep happening. And, you know, and looking back at it now, it's, there's these significant pillars, you know, that were being built in my life that I was looking back on and coming, coming back to. Um, And then in the mix of that, you know, I was still trying to navigate like the big questions of life. Like, what do I do for a job? Who do I marry? You know, I was, I was a little girl crazy back in the day. (laughs) You know, some of my friends remind me of that, um, that I was like in college with, but I ended up with an amazing wife and it, it was like in God's perfect timing and awesome. But so yeah, just Chi Alpha, just truly God just transformed my life through, mm-hmm. through Chi Alpha, being a part of that ministry, being discipled by people that just genuinely love Jesus and love me. Um, and so the kind of time to come, I was graduating and I had some like informal job offers, but nothing just felt right. And it was just kind of, I knew God was calling me to, at least give a year to Chi Alpha is how I viewed it at the time. Oh, they, I like got, they got you with that give a year thing, huh? Give a year, pray what a lifetime. Yes. But I had, I had like $25,000 in student debt and I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do that as a missionary? Um, and, but I stepped into it and it was just God's faithfulness, like slapping me in the face over and over again. Of just Like I had, I had like little things like, cash under my windshield wipers one time with like or in a in an envelope that just said like god laid you on my heart you know like that kind of stuff and the people that came as supporters as a campus missionary just people like they really leaned in and and it it was like i loved the support raising aspect it put relationships in my life but that i have to this day and so yeah it was just kind of the way i look back at that and navigating what I was going to do after college, it was just like a no brainer, you know, it was, yeah, all it the felt like a natural progression. And... Yeah. Right. Right. For sure. Well, and I was going to say like, 
I love what you said about like when you see someone come in, they get to know Jesus, they get to see like they have the questions, the curiosity, and then like they get saved and like the passion that that has like is it's seriously infectious. Like I don't even think you can accurately articulate it in a conversation unless you're there in the room and all of a sudden you're like praying for someone to come and they come to the small group and then God opens their eyes or God speaks to them or whatever. And they have an encounter with Jesus and then they like get saved, get changed, get baptized. And then they're out there creating, like there's something about that. That's like it, like to use a Southernism, it makes you feel like you can go bear hunting with a switch. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, you know, like, you're just like, yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. Like, you're yeah. just like, yeah, I can do. So I'm saying like, that is so cool. And that's one of the things that I love so much about Chi Alpha to this day. Like there's just something about the secular campus and Jesus being made famous on there. That's so important and so necessary, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think that was the other thing. And I think that's part of like the transition is just like, I, one of my favorite events that we would do is called the launch and it was our senior retreat or it was, it was just like a night, a night for seniors. And we would, okay, cool. we would have a panel of a panel of alumni that would come and share stories and just share like how God uses them in the, in the workplace, in their neighborhood, you know, and, and all those things. And so I, I think, of course, I loved it for what was happening in college. Like we saw students' lives transformed, you know, so many of the people I, I think the, the cool thing is that like I look back at a lot of the people that I spent time with and like a lot of them are living for Jesus passionately to this day, like still mm -hmm. making an impact in their communities, still serving their awesome. churches, still, you know, walking with Jesus. Um, so what was happening was incredible. But then as I kind of got older and started to see more of my friends enter like the workplace and enter, like I, I saw how difficult that navigation was at times. And so for me, I, I really love the idea of, yeah, we're building them for these four years, but we're building them to walk with Jesus for a lifetime. Exactly. And, and helping equip them, you know, to do that. And so really that those just things of doing life together and just having being in tune with the Holy spirit and what he's doing in our everyday lives. Like, so everyday life is a big thing for me. Like we spend 85% of our time doing mundane, ordinary things like brushing our teeth, making yep. our bed. Well, I don't, I don't make my bed, but driving to work, right. You know, some people don't brush their teeth. They should, but yeah, they don't. Yeah. They got to, but you know, <laughs> we, do, we do all this stuff and yet we like live for something in the future. And so I just love the idea of like living in the, the day we have, but with a zeal and with a you know, tenacity to like make today count for Jesus. And I don't know who I'm going to cross paths with today that I'll never cross paths with again. Right. Like, I just am a strong believer that God strategically places you to reach people that only you can reach. And mm. a lot of, it's good a lot of my time in college, a lot of my time in college, I spent with the headphones in walking to campus with my head down. And it was like a conviction as I was probably a junior or senior, like take off the headphones, listen to what's going on around you and respond to what I want, want you to do. Super so good. Try, yeah. try to live that way. Now it's not easy, obviously, but Jesus was constantly inconvenienced. Like every, most of the encounters in the Bible were not like what Jesus was on his way to do. It was what he was on his 
he was on his way somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And somebody, something happened. He was on his way through and Zacchaeus up in the tree and right. he was walking, walking with the one dude's daughter and, or the one, the one dude who was going to his daughter or his son and the woman touched his robe and he was, she was healed. You know, like yep. it's a lot of inconvenience. And, and I think that's something that I try to walk mm-hmm. into is being willing to be inconvenienced. And so a lot of that was what I was learning in that season. Um, of college ministry you know and so it was just such a beautiful chapter of my life again that I never thought was going to end <laughs> yeah that's so cool too that um that you never thought like that you were committed forever because when I was in Kyle I knew I couldn't be in it forever like but that's so cool okay. that you were like I mean I love my time in Kyle I loved every bit of it but I knew it couldn't be forever for me And I think like, that's so cool that you had that mindset of like, Hey, I'm in this and I'm going hard. And then like, I'm going hard in the paint, you know? I mean, and obviously like the team you had around you that you yourself helped build, but also like with Brad and all these other incredible leaders, like, you know, I think like it's, it's, it's a really a dream thing to be. So that's why I think so it's so hard to be like, Oh, I'm going to move away from this. Like you said, like, nine months of that decision I've been in transition periods and I could not imagine being like this is what I want to do forever this is the team around me this is what's set up and god you're calling me away from this like I don't know like that's that's got to be crazy difficult yeah and I mean I'm a firm believer that you know we are never the victim of god's calling and so I try to like be very observant you know, in that season, like, although it was something that was, I love, I loved, you know, like I was still there. What God, what's God doing in this? Cause I think that made us our attempt, grab our attention more than if we were like checked out, you know, right. It would have been, yeah. it would have been, then I would have been trying to navigate, like, what's my reason here. Um, and so mm-hmm. really, yeah, those are very know, two different ways to look at it. You can look at it as like right. this, what's next, like the positive way, or you can look at it. Yeah, exactly. Like you can, you can pick your poison yeah. with that. And there's, and there's always frustrations, you know, even like in that setting, like I had my frustrations, but I knew it wasn't a, a push. It was a pull, you know, something sure. that God was pulling me to, um, you know? And so, yeah, I was, it, it was kind of like th- that started kind of this really digging in, you know, I was talking about that earlier of like, who am I, but also like, what is God calling me to? Um, you know, that I remember going to fall retreat that, that year and like fall retreat was always my favorite event of the year. And so now I was at fall retreat and I just like started, I broke down in the back of the room. Cause I felt like this is my last one. Like this mm. is it. Sure. Um, but it was early in that year where it was probably like October, November. And there's like a strong impression, you know, conviction that, I was supposed to live in what I call like as if I was staying forever and leaving tomorrow. And so Mm. we just started to like live in this idea of, okay, let's plant ourselves as if we're going to stay forever. It'll make the goodbye really hard, but I want to live for hard goodbyes is how I kind of think about it. And so that's a boom point right there. Somebody write that down. (laughs) So with stay forever, you know, it comes with like this deep level of commitment and, so to the people that we were serving to Brad, who I was on a team with, I didn't, I didn't want, you know, it to get to like 
me announcing that we were leaving, which we did in like April. And then a student being like, yeah, I kind of could tell back in October. Yeah. You, know, you were just out. haven't been the same. Yeah. You know, I, I prayed the same way. I, I prayed, you know, for students as if I was going to be there forever. And I treated them like I was going to be their campus pastor forever. And I knew that was going to make it harder to leave, but we just felt like that was the right thing. And then leave, leave tomorrow. Like I just became probably annoying in how detailed I was about everything I did. And uh, we had an admin assistant named Megan at the time. She's one of my best friends today. Um, and she, I would just have her like take notes of everything. And she probably was so annoyed with me, but eventually she found out I was leaving and was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. But now, yeah. I just started to like, I wrote, I wrote like all these documents of like why we do the things that we do. And, um, you know, I, I wrote out event guides for everything that we did or all the responsibilities I had. I just started documenting why I was doing it the way I was doing it. I started with our interns. I started like, just, I called them, uh, what did I call them? Like brain dumps. Okay. <laughs> so, so they would come in and we would just talk and they would just ask me what's on your brain. And I would just like start spewing things. And I was just trying to like help them. Like if I were to be gone tomorrow, sure. I want, I want this ministry to not be skip affected, a beat you know? yeah yeah and so obviously like the, there's a deep part of you that wants people to miss you they yeah. you want to feel like because i'm gone it's not the same yep but we became deeply convicted that that was robbing from from what god was going to do as if if we we created that like oh steven was so great i miss him so much you know and, right. and not like i've missed leaders that have left but it's all about the Holy spirit. And so it was a really good season of life for us because it, it made it really hard when we said goodbye, but we just felt such a peace, both leaving and going in, in, you know, and getting to the next place. Cause we knew that we finished well, like we knew we finished yeah. well. And that was, that was a big deal for us. I mean, it should be, that should be the aim of everyone like that. You would finish your assignment that God's called you to, well, you know, like you would be obedient, like Abraham walking up the mountain with his son, like you would be obedient and you would tie him up if you have to. And, you know, to the point of death that you would stop and you would be obedient and you would serve well. And I think that's super, super honorable. I love that. I, a good leader said to me one time, like, um, your fruit and your like impact is known well after you leave by the systems, by the documents, by the things you put in place. If you leave and then all of a sudden everything crashes, you are a bad leader because you didn't set them up for success. If you leave and everything either stays the same or hopefully grows, then it shows how good of a leader you are. Yeah. And, and I think like the humbling part of that has been like realizing that that's painful you know, super like, painful. Yeah. There's, there's that, there's that, that natural pain that also does come from like realizing like, okay, it went really well, <laughs> you know, exactly. But, yeah. and, and I think that's also just like God's grace, but also the, the humility. I think that was part of the lesson that I was learning was just like, I'm not as important as I think I am. Yes. Like God was using me and and that's something I love about Brad is like, Brad would just tell me that, like, we're going to be fine without you, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, it hurts a little bit, Brad, but I get it. You know? Yeah, it hurts a little um, bit, but I think. But you. that was, and that was Brad's whole thing is like, this is about the Holy Spirit. It's not about any one person. It's not exactly. about Brad. It's not about, 
And, and so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that carried that I've carried with from that whole thing. Like, you know, just things that we learned. I, I, I look back at some of my, I did six years, you know, I was there for six years after being a student for four. So I was at NDSU for 10 and I'm embarrassed sometimes when I think about like the way I led in the early times and, you know, the way I treated people or just like being sharp with people or being, having to be the loudest person in a room or like Mm. having to have the last say, you know, Brad is, is one of those leaders that like says very little, but when he speaks, it's very powerful. Early on, I felt like I said 80% of the words. And, and so there's just like in, having that removed it also I'm, I'm like a self you know grow guy like I like to read and all that but it wasn't until like I was removed from that leadership position that I really feel like the Lord got a lot of these things into me and it was kind of like that breaking of like that whole last year like I spent a lot of time or like I spent time apologizing to some people and just having to have honest conversations mm. of like I may have hurt you in the way that I did certain things. And, you know, so I don't look back at that, that season of life, be like, I was perfect and I was awesome. And whoa, that was so cool. You know, I also look at it as like, God was also using this whole dynamic of me being a part of it and then leaving it to really help me grow and disciple. Um, And that's part of what we want to be honest about and real about too, is just like, the behind the scenes that a lot of people don't get, you know, like they don't always see that kind of stuff. And so right. I don't have to talk about it, but I just feel like there's other leaders that are maybe even listening to this podcast. And I think the same thing goes is like, it, it would be good for us to reevaluate things that we've done and have some hard conversations that, you know, I think God honors that a lot and it's Agreed. uncomfortable, but it, it's a good thing, you know? Hey, y'all, I want to tell you about an organization that we love. It's the Carson Wentz AO1 Foundation. What they're about is they're about creating tangible experiences that lead people closer to Jesus, Mm -hmm. and they do it through three unique ministries. Let's hear them. First is the outdoor ministry that serves children with life-threatening illnesses or other life-altering medical situations. They do that through their outdoor camp, and then they talk to kids in these outdoor experiences where they're encouraged, challenged, and disciplined. Let's go. Those are three of the greatest things. Yes. Second, they have this thing called Thy Kingdom Crumb. I love Mm. that. The pun. Thy Kingdom Crumb that will be demolished and eaten. And Mm. what it is, is it's AO1's free mobile food truck ministry. Check this out. Not only do guests receive a free meal, but they also hear the gospel. Fed spirit. They currently have two trucks, one in Philadelphia and one in Indianapolis. So if you're in either of those areas, make sure you check them out. To date, check this out, in Philly, Thy Kingdom Crumb has served over 91,000 meals. Dang, what? that's crazy. I'm reading that wrong. No, 91. No, I thought not, it was 19. It like my dyslexia jumped in. No, nope. 91,000 free meals. That's, that's insane. incredible. So cool. Finally, one other thing. AO1 has built a Haiti sports complex Mm, in Haiti. It provides opportunities for Haitian youth to experience sports, grow in leadership, and respond to the gospel. 
incredible organization. So to learn more about the AL1 Foundation and discover how you can partner with them, visit AL1Foundation.org. That's AL1Foundation.org. Yeah, and I've never, I mean, I've had a few leaders that have been like, hey, you know what, I want to apologize because I came across this way. And it's it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't it great when the Holy Spirit just convicts you of something? You're like, darn it. You know, I really never wanted to think about that again. But you need to and you need to like move forward. And, you know, it may be seem I feel like a lot of times like an inconsequential like water under the bridge moment where you're like, oh, it's a little bit sharp with you or whatever. But for your own soul to have the humility to listen to the Holy Spirit is important. Otherwise, you just get numb you know like you get numb to his voice and he's not going to speak to you or he's going to speak and you're not going to hear so then when something big comes you don't you're not used to listening so you don't care anyways so you blow right past it so for sure and yeah absolutely i think there's so many of those those moments also too where like i've had a conversation the person's been like oh i didn't even realize it and again it's like that's the grace of God. Like exactly hundred <laughs> percent. And, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's good. And then with, so we kind of came to the end of that season. Right. It's funny. I, I'm, I'm laughing at myself. Like this is the, where they've been. And we've talked about VHS and blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no linear, you know, trajectory to this. And I'm so it, sorry. No, it literally almost <laughs> never goes linear because that's like my brain. Like I don't, I, you <laughs> no, said I blockbuster and I immediately was like, I don't even know blockbuster. Whoops. My bad. <laughs> I don't know blockbuster culture, you know? Yeah. What's the culture um, of that thing, man? No. Yeah. So we're getting to the A01 audience of one now. So how did, yeah. how did you get to that? So back in got to go back to go forward you know uh when we were when i was in college it was it was that period of time where i was just really like you know god was stretching me he was saying like i I got pretty comfortable at leading a small group and like having some guys that were a part of chi alpha in a dorm room having deep talks but that was when really god started to challenge me like you pray for students but let's pray for professors let's you know what's stopping you from, from going to the people that maybe aren't being reached on our campus. And, and it was um, kind of a God thing, like crazy, crazy cool. But, you know, I was always a big guy, big sports guy, but also as I got to know a couple athletes, I realized that the way that they're treated on campus, isn't the way that deep down they want to be treated. Mm. They like the celebrity feel they like that. But what I was coming to realize, and I met two guys, that came to Chi Alpha and it was the star quarterback, Brock Jensen and a linebacker named Grant Olson. We had him over for pheasant nuggets, which my roommate, Steve cooked them. And uh, we just like, we just what a North Dakota dish just, too, by the way. Dude, I know. And I'm not a hunter. And so it was my first time having pheasant nuggets. And so it's a good, a good story. They, were they good out. though? Or yeah, it was like, I can't, I mean, it's chicken. It tastes like it's a- one of those things that tastes like chicken, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But legit, anyways, anyways, you know? yeah, pheasant nuggets. Okay. So we it's a pheasant in your over. cap. Yeah. <laughs> so we had these guys over and, you know, we, we shared our stories and we just asked them like, you know, where are you guys at? Like, where you come from? You know, what, where you guys, you know, you guys were at Kyle for what brought you there? Like some of that kind of stuff. 
and what we you know are sharing our stories we we didn't leave out like the deep things we didn't leave out the messy things and they just started talking about it and you know one of those guys later on told me like nobody ever asked me those questions like nobody wow you know nobody would keep me accountable in my relationship like I don't know if people thought they were untouchable or like it wasn't their business but for me it's like I'm gonna look at this guy the same way I look at this little freshman who exactly you know is I is trying to become more like Jesus I want to do whatever that takes and so you know, we just got really close with some of those guys. And then that opened this relationship with Carson. You know, I was on the football field one after the game and Carson's like, when are you going to invite me? And this is Carson Wentz. He was the NDSU backup at the time. And so he said, when are you going to invite me over for dinner? And so I had him and one of those other guys, <clears throat> Grant, over. Um, it wasn't pheasant nuggets. I don't know what we had, but <laughs> we just kind of, we kind of did the same thing. And from that point on, Carson and I would just get, you know, food, you know, lunch, or we would play pool in the basement of the union. And we just have deep talks. We had times where, you know, in one of our lives, things hit the fan and we had deep talks, you know, and yeah, for sure. And we just, we just formed a friendship. And so when he got drafted by the Eagles in 16, you know, my wife and I, we just remained close friends with him. So we went out to Philly once a year for those first couple of years, go to a game, hang out. Then he met his wife and we became really close friends with her. And then they started a camp called Camp Conquerors. Yep. This was 2018. I was still working with Chi Alpha. Um, you know, back to that, that timeline, you know, May, it was when God was started to like stir my heart, April, May, um, for something different. And then I was asked to do this camp, did the camp. Um, and it was at that camp that Carson just asked, like, would you ever consider working for me full time and moving out to Philly? And I was like, at the time I said, no, I was like, I love Kyle and Sure. But it was because all these things were happening all at once that it just remained like this open door. Like, I just didn't feel like there was as much as I wanted to say no to that. Cause where I was, was really awesome and really comfortable. Like there was just this nagging, sure. like it felt like you know, moving across the country, my wife was, you know, at this time we had a three week old daughter when right. they originally asked me to move across the country. So it was just like so many things going against that, that, and, yeah. and it was, it was in that like defiance that like God was just kind of, you know, we were wrestling. And so, um, so yeah, from that point on, like that was where that the wrestling match kind of started. And, it just kind of became more and more clear, like, this is, this is it. This is what I have for you. And so, yeah, we, we took the leap. We went out in August. Um, you know, Taylor was just pregnant with our second and we had a one-year-old daughter and we packed a U-Haul and a few of my buddies, we drove across the country. Taylor flew, you know, with Kinsley and, and some friends and we settled into a little place 30 minutes south of Philly. And we knew about, 10 people out there, um, you know, and, and it was like, I mean, we cried on our couch a number of those first nights. Like we knew it was the right thing, but it was still like, yeah, why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> why are we out here? Um, you know, not having the grandparents to like support and, you know, all that stuff. So, but we just started to settle in, you know, we had the best community out there. Just, um, you know, the guys that work for a one, their wives, their families, they, they were family. We called ourselves the Philly fam. Yeah. And we would just do, we did holidays together. We did weekends together, birthdays. Um, but, but one of the really neat things was that God was really 
like I had all this margin all of a sudden. My my job was more nine to five. Um, and so I just started like spending way more time just with him, not like on a Bible plan, just like opening my Bible and reading for a while, letting him speak and just journaling. And it was just life coming out and God was just giving me new dreams and just really stirring my heart. And so AO1 was just kind of has been this incredible you know, part of this whole journey is working with AO1. I, I'm the director of operations and, um, and events. So I plan our fundraising events and events that, you know, mainly outdoor working with our outdoor team to, we have a camp, we have a camp for kids that have medical battles and we take those same kids on hunting and fishing trips throughout the country. Um, you know, we've got food trucks in Philly and Indy and we do some stuff in Haiti. And so there's, we have lots going on and I kind of mainly in behind the scenes and working with our team to, you know, tell our stories and, um, you know, continue to impact people, you know? And so it's, it's fun and it's unconventional, but we're, we're having a blast doing it. Dude, that's so stinking cool. And I love like the fact that you, yeah. Cause number one, I can super relate to moving to a place and not knowing anybody, even though I like when I, when that happened and we moved to Illinois, I grew up here, but I didn't know. And I haven't talked to anybody since high school. So I just knew my family. Um, but, and then COVID hit. So that was like right in the middle of COVID. So then we just didn't talk to anybody for like a year and a half. So it was, I remember the same thing. Like I can totally feel the sentiment of like moving there. I can't imagine moving to literally Philly from being in Fargo your whole life and Bismarck to Philly and like just, or just outside, excuse me, but just like, that's, that's a humongous change. Um, That's really cool though. I think that's just, I love to hear that. Like that's a following God moment for real. Like, and it seems to like work out. So I love the events we follow. I follow AO1 and actually it's cool because of NDSU, Chi Alpha. Um, I've followed like Carson's career the whole time and following you as well, being a part of, you know, when you're cheering for the Eagles for no other reason than, you know, a guy who knows the guy, you know what I mean? You're like, I don't know him, but I know this guy. I've met him like four times. And he, he whooped my yeah. butt in a football field and apparently never even played football. So that makes me feel even worse. So, you know, it's just like, but it's so cool. Yeah, so, awesome. yeah. So what, what type of events, like, okay. So you do sports events, obviously. Do you guys still do the camp con- conquerors? Yep. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're working on expanding to doing multiple weeks um, of, of that camp and that's in North Dakota. Right. Um, and we really serve that that population year round. So we do, we celebrate their birthdays. We, we do like bowling nights and hangout nights and we really invest in them and their families. Um, you know, everything that we do has a spiritual component. Like that's the, the leading edge, you know, so we have a camp that's really fun and it really challenges them. A lot of these kids at our camp have really, you know, had kind of their regular middle school, high school experience interrupted, you know, whether that's for sure chemo treatments or a severe motor accident where they were in the hospital for three months. Like a lot of their stories are just crazy. Um, And then we put them in environments that really stretch them and challenge them. Um, But also our staff is just like constantly breathing life into them and just loving on them. And we do awards at the end of camp. So each counselor gives each, each kid an award based on something they see in them, you know, throughout the camp. And it's one of our favorite moments because 
like these shy kids hear their award and they just like brighten up for like we had this girl like her hear her award and she just broke down crying and just like so it's just really special we've met some kids wow. that have really changed my life you know like their perspective on life as a 12 year old going through cancer and stuff like that is just mind-blowing um we had a boy named Landon who came to our camp and you know he had like the coolest hair he was always dressed like the nicest and you know he was battling a rare form of brain cancer and um we got to know his family I got to travel to Cincinnati to visit him in the hospital and Mm. just love on his family and um you know we just kept spending time with him he came to camp the next year and was very frail was in a very low oh, man. point health wise. And, you know, I remember him walking into the cafeteria and like tripping over his feet and spilling his food. And like, I called his mom and, and she's like, yeah, we just don't know how much time we have left. And, you know, it was that week, like he climbed our climbing towers really tall at this camp and he got to the top and he like threw his arms in the air and just like wept. And mm. like, I, you know, I was probably one of the only people I knew like how serious his condition was at the time. And it just like hit me, you know, and I actually had, there's this guy doing media and he's like, have you ever thought about having to go to another, one of their funerals? And I just said, no. And you know, September that in September of that year. So two months after camp Landon passed away and um, his mom called me and asked if I would speak at, at his funeral. And, you know, they, he had a whole section of, of like the memorial that was AO1 um, related. And so it was just all like they displayed his journal from our camp and he wow. had like notes in it. And, um, you know, we've seen that family like grow in their walk with Christ. And, you know, he, you know, he was a believer and like he was the strongest kid I've ever met. And, um, you know, so it's like those moments that just make you go like, whoa, you know, seriously, like just the brevity of life and yeah. like our life is a mist, you know, it truly seriously. is. And, and so, you know, but getting to meet beautiful people like him and in his family and like, it just like try not to take any day for granted and yeah. to just to, I feel very blessed to get to yeah. know them. You know, I was, I was just in Indianapolis with uh, a boy named Giovanni from Philly. Yeah, I saw who, that, man is like one of the biggest Carson fans and he continued to follow Carson and like he, he made a video crying when Carson was traded. I remember I saw that a bunch of people from Philly, like started hating on him and, you know, kind of, I mean, bullied him. And so we just have really gotten close with him. And he, his mom told me that when Carson or, you know, when, or when he had a surgery, he's had 20 surgeries and he's 14 He's had 20 surgeries in his life. And one of his last surgeries was a really intense surgery and the rehab was really intense. And he was doing rehab and he was crying while he was doing rehab. And his mom was like, Gio, you don't have to keep going. And he said, if Carson, if Carson can do his rehab, I can do mine. And he actually had video from Carson's rehab. Like he would play it on a loop of Carson rehabbing, like from an injury and you know, and so seeing like this kid be impacted by this hero of his, and then for us to help just love on him and his family has just been such a blast. And to see wow. him become passionate about anti-bullying and to, like yeah. he's, he's in a podcast. I know, a yeah. Podcast and, and he's just like incredible. And to just spend time with his family and to just be with them 
you know, we, one of our core values for AO1 is significance over statistics. Like we don't want to get caught up in like we served, you know, obviously every organization reports how many things they do, but obviously, we don't want to yeah. get caught up in that being our litmus of like how many people did we serve? Like how many meaningful moments that help people progress in their relationship with Jesus have we created? And so this was just like, this trip was just one of those moments was like, we're doing all this for one kid, but it's, so huge and yeah not only for him but for us and so um yeah it was it, it's just a so that was a rabbit trail but a really good one a really fun one you know so it these was. are some of the events these are some of the events that i get i get to do it's just the people that we've gotten to meet um yeah you know our our, our food trucks they just distribute free food to anybody so that's incredible we, we, I, had, I had no idea that AO1 had food trucks that's so cool yeah so a little backstory everybody's like what does AO1 do and it's very hard to describe in an elevator pitch yeah you know because we have we have our outdoor ministry right that takes kids on outdoor adventures and all this sure discipleship based Carson loves hunting so there's that one the food one he's Pheasant had like nuggets, he loves obviously. food yeah <laughs> he loves <laughs> he loves food and he's had wanted to open a restaurant and then this kind of idea along with a pastor that we were with in out in New Jersey like what if we did like a free food truck that just gave food and we have a ministry team that shares the gospel with people while they're waiting for their food and stuff and praise for guests and stuff and it's super fun um you know and throughout COVID our Philly truck has been serving people like curbside pickup curbside pickup meals and wow it's awesome chefs our chefs are like legit chefs like we're not just doing corn dogs out of a food truck like they're doing like like two course, three course things that really you could get a, you could get at a restaurant, but you, our food truck pulls up and anybody gets it. And so that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. And then we have a, we have a sports complex in Haiti that is in partnership with mission of hope. And okay. so there's sports leagues after school stuff, just a lot going on there um, that we just partnered with them. That's where Carson met his wife, Maddie was in Haiti. She was an intern there. She worked there. Okay. And so he fell in love with country and a girl and they just want to give, they just want to give back to, yeah. to Haiti. And so we love it. And it's one of the countries that is at the lowest, you know, the last three years has just been like getting so polarized tough. by yeah. political stuff. The president was assassinated, earthquakes, like all this stuff, like rioting. And, and so it's just reinforced, like we need, we need to be there and we need to give these kids opportunities to, you know, when they, when they come to the sports complex, they play their sport. And so it's a way to get people from surrounding communities. Um, but we share the gospel, we give them clean water and, and food and stuff. And, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so cool. I, I just, I'm very blessed to get to do what I do. <laughs> Sounds like absolutely incredible organization. And like, I love that statement that you said, like some, or it's not statistics, but it's significance. Like, that's super powerful because you can't put a story like you shared with Landon or Geo or the story of the kids in Haiti into a statistic. Like it's like, you know, right. the, there's two kids right there, but the significance, that, the impact on their family and like just being able to serve them it, while they're going through these unbelievably difficult things that like none of us can understand is such an honor. And that's so cool that there's organizations out there that are literally just created to serve them as they walk through these things. Like 
we need more of these organizations. We need them to get bigger. Like these things are super important. Like that's so stinking cool that you guys are doing that. Like, so thank you for doing that. That's, I know like you feel blessed, but like to me, like that's super cool and inspiring that there's places out there that are literally like, how can we serve kids? How can we serve people that are, you know, going through difficult times? How can we make an impact? And that's so powerful. Yeah, no, it's, it's a blast. That's for sure. And I, I have a love, like, I love church ministry. Like I think, you know, right now back in Fargo, I'm able to serve on a, on a church. I'm on volunteer as a volunteer staff or a part-time staff and like, I'm loving it, you know, but I, I really have, and I think part of it goes back to like Kyle and just seeing the value in that marketplace ministry and that everyday sure. life ministry where like, I love, what the church does in the building, but I love more so helping the church engage in the places that they're at. And right now this is where I'm at. And so, and like the, the relationships and everything that's come out of it, like I, in the, the people like Gio and his family, for instance, like we've just had such incredible, we had such incredible conversations and they don't come from like a strong faith background, you know, it's, and so like the people that we get to engage with, they're not going to maybe walk into a church service or feel comfortable walking exactly. into that. But, you know, I really believe in like the principle of show and tell, yep. you know, we, we show people the tangible love of Jesus over and over again, by the things that we do, the way we treat them, the way that we speak to them. Um, and so in, in our instance, like rolling out the red carpet for a family and just like, we, we, we really believe in like blessing the whole family. So, a lot of, in a lot of groups, I mean, maybe we should focus, we probably do more kids, but we sent like the family on a date night to the mm. nicest restaurant in downtown India. And then I took the kids with some of my coworkers to Dave and Buster's and right, right. just let them r- r- rack up an absurd amount of, you know, tickets or tokens for <laughs> games. And they're like, well, I, I won this like Pac-Man game that probably costs like $4 and you know, whatever, but yeah. Um, what a scam you, know, you so are, like, Dave and Busters. We love you though. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we have so, so much fun doing, doing that type of stuff that, you know, shows them the love of Jesus. And then we're constantly praying for that, that opportunity to actually talk about what, why we're doing the things that we're doing and, yeah. you know, why we, why we value them the way that we value them. Cause we try to see them the way that God sees them and treat them that way. And so yeah. it's just so, it's so fun. Like doing ministry in unconventional ways, you know, is a blast. Um, and also just like being out in New Jersey, I, uh, it was my first time in 10 years that I didn't have like this built in Avenue for everyday ministry. Cause like in Chi Alpha, like I would do, you know, I would get coffee with a guy and I would speak on a Thursday night and I would, you know, do a small group here or do whatever. And so we, we got to New Jersey and it was like the first time that ministry was not going to be something that was just like presented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like Bob Goff says, stop calling it ministry, call it Tuesday. Yeah. And, and that was thanks, something that Bob. for me was, I know, thanks Bob, you know, it was really profound for me. And like, and so our neighbor, you know, our neighbors, we just wanted to love on our neighbors. We wanted to get to know the people that served us at restaurants and, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so that was really like reinvigorating for us was like, they don't know who we are. My minute or my, my position is not producing any, you know, 
you know, opportunity for ministry. Like my life is the only thing that will present and obviously the Holy spirit, but you know, the, the way I live my life and the way I treat this person, the way, so it was really a rich season for us, you know, of, of just kind of coming into that. And like, for the first time for us, you know, not being in that setting of Chi Alpha where ministry was just copious and it was endless, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it's, so it's really kind of reframed us, you know, for moving forward in life in general now. So it's fun. Yeah. It definitely grounds you for sure. Because in our, we had a transition as well where we were in full time. Then we transitioned as we were going to be, we actually originally were planting a church on our own and then where we are at now came up. Um, but we had a year where I was just working in manufacturing. And so it was so weird from literally every day. Like you said, I got a coffee, I got a small group, I got a Skype meeting or a zoom meeting or whatever. I got Sunday morning to prepare for to go from all of that to, I just had to show up to work. It's interesting. And you're, you know, we work like six 30 to three. So it was just so different, you know, it's like, Oh, like, what do I do here? You know, like, who do I talk to? And it's really been cool to be able to see things from a different perspective. Cause I think in ministry, when you're only in ministry, you can be isolated to the issues and to the everyday things that people who just work are thinking about Jesus and thinking about you. And you're like, well, we got seven ministries going on this week. You better be at every one of them. And you're like, I have a job. So like, I have to go somewhere tomorrow. I have kids or whatever. Not saying you shouldn't go to ministry. You should go to church, but I'm saying like, you just, your eyes get open to it and you understand like the reality of connecting with someone on just a, a level where there's no like secret like hey invite to church so that i can boost my attendance this sunday you know what i mean like you probably never did that because you're holy but me you know what i mean like (laughs) you know like a or i can like put my make sure you fill out a connection card so that i can have a guest you know like hit my number you know so like there's none of that there's just i'm talking with somebody i'm telling you my story you're telling me theirs and then um you know i show you jesus you're gonna ask so it's just it's a beautiful thing What's that idea of, you know, living your life, living a life that begs the question, like mm. why? Yeah, it's good. And, and I think the best ways to do that are the way that we respond in our workplace. You know, the things that everybody else complains about, it's not that we, they don't affect us, but the way we honor the people we work with or the people that, you know, like the people that everybody else is complaining, we, we love extra, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and, and and the way that we live or like raise our family and the way that we prioritize time with our kids like i love golfing but i don't know how people golf like if i go once a week or every other week or like that's great and and i love it but like to give away my all my evenings or to give away my weekends my saturday my sunday it just doesn't make sense to me and in what i feel called to as a dad and as a husband and and it doesn't that that doesn't mean like for people that are doing that it's wrong. Shame. But like, no, I'm just kidding. No, no shame. <laughs> but for me, like I've just had that conviction of like for sure. One thing <clears throat> I was thinking on your golfing thing, this could help you. Um, you could be since Philly, you know, Philly, Mark Wahlberg, and you could just sprint from shot to shot, and then you could get 18 holes in in an hour and a half, like he says. Yeah, I, I don't understand how he does that. Well, he has that flunkies that's not... that drive his cart for him, and he just runs yeah, from shot sure. to shot. And then 
which yeah. I'm I'm a little sketchy on that mark marky mark. I'm not sure that's real, but you know, one I don't know if it's real, but two like I think for me golf is just like I, I've stopped. I mean, I care what, what about my score, but I usually don't like it. Doesn't affect me coming out of it. Right. Maybe You're not wrapping a club around a club. Yeah. No. No. But you know, so for me, it's like I'm in nature. Like exactly. I'm, kind of a slowdown it's quiet you know it's nature you it's know, nice it's to be in a welly manicured area you know what i mean like it's well taken yeah. care of there's flowers there's trees it looks nice that's what i like about it i'm a dad guy i'm a dad now you know landscaping's a big thing so oh yeah you're Come in on. that stream but yeah so for, but yeah for me like that marriage you know marriage family you know all that stuff just constantly i think you know i mean think about what jesus called us to in marriage like lay down lay down your life for your wife like 100 yeah. christ laid down his life for the church you know and that sacrificial like giving of yourself and you know all that stuff i just think screams like different and i think different's good you know and yeah. so um yeah so yeah that's a another rabbit trail but i I think that's kind of like this new season that we're in. And I, I've started to like think what's kind of our future. And like, obviously I love AO1 and I love church ministry and all this stuff, but I've started to realize like, it's much less about what the output might be, like what the job might be 10 years, 20 years from now or whatever, but just like the calling and like what you're walking in. Yeah you know, as just as a follower of Jesus, like, I think that translates to, to every, you know, output. And so that's kind of where, where we're at. It's like, we're just really enjoying life. And the last six months, I, we have lived in five different houses. We got back <laughs> in the, the end of May or the end of April. And we've just like jumped from family to friend to friend. Back and to couch family. searching my, Couch surfing yeah. with the full family. Yes. And like literally going on six months, we're days away from getting to our house as I share this, which is a huge win. But it's also been like this beautiful season of also one, just being grateful. Like mm. we've been able to save money. We've been able to just have really quality time with family and friends. Sure. And like we're stepping into the season of house ownership, but there's so many people that we've seen now in the last, even just six months that have helped us get to this point. And it's yeah. just like, it's that much more exciting and just have our own space is very exciting, but come on, you know, so, it, so I think having uprooted out of Chi Alpha and it wasn't just for a one, I think God is just using it for the new Steven, you know, mm. like the new, the new Gloucester family, like the way that we live our life. And, wherever it leads us to whether that's locationally vocationally or just you know spiritually like i'm excited like for this next season and god's just doing a lot in our hearts and you know i'm i'm writing a lot and we're trying to and it's just fun it's yeah just fun. dude dude you're a good writer i like your blog people on this should check out your blog i don't know if you've updated it a lot lately but i was following it and uh Maybe you need, this this is your motivation right here. Update it. Because I remember I used to read all of them when you would put them out. It was pretty, it was sweet. You did a great job. Well, I appreciate that. 
yeah you know i so the reason i haven't done a ton on it is because i'm writing a book are you really did you post about this recently i have i i've started it's been part of my um accountability process of Uh, like i thought i saw something about it but you never want to be that guy who's like are you writing a book and then someone's like no you know what i mean like yeah no i it's been something that's been in my heart for a long time in the last two or three years i've started to like put words to it and now i'm kind of in like the final the final push to get it let's go dude that's incredible i can't wait to get it and read it and you're a good writer so i mean like i said i liked your blog stuff and i'm not a good reader um or someone who can like (laughs) yes legit like i'm not a good book reader so like if i can read your stuff it's like you're a good writer so i'm just saying that's that's just a funny you know it's just a funny statement like i'm not a good reader i feel like people are like i'm like like they're like, I'm a great reader. I read like a hundred books a year. And I'm like, first of all, what do you do? And second of all, how do you pay attention for longer than 10 minutes? Because like, if it like is not interesting, like I'm out, like, like Dallas Willard, I love you and you're a genius theologically, but I've fallen asleep to so many of your books studying for a sermon. I can't anymore. I'm just going to listen to them on tapes. I know. You know what I mean? That's why I'm, that's why I'm so grateful for John Mark Homer who oh, will dude. quote, will quote Dallas Willard and I could read John Mark Homer for days. Yeah, I have all of his books and have read them, which shows you like he's my guy. So that's amazing. Actually, I don't have his latest one, Live No Lies. I almost bought it today, though. Fun fact, shout out. So anyways, read it last week. It's really great. I highly recommend it. Really? You read it in a week? I, I read it on an airplane ride to and from Indy. And so I just... Knocked it out. I just okay. Had a few, I had a few hours in the air, you know. Oh my gosh, I'm not. You're one of those speed readers, aren't you? But do you remember anything after you read a book on one airplane? I'm a weird guy who like writes book reports, and I what? started doing it. I started doing it when I was in like campus ministry because I hated the fact that I was reading books and not retaining anything. So I would do like a page long essentially book report where I would just like quotes. And so what I do, what I do, Jeff, hopefully this helps you is I, I will read and I will Am highlight I just blown right the, now. This is amazing. I'll highlight along the way. Okay. And then I, I take the time. This is just me. It adds time to my life, but I will actually go through and then I will write down the thoughts and the quotes that still stuck, stick out to me. So I, read it highlighted it but sometimes you read it and you're like yeah that doesn't right right so there's some books there's some books that like i i have like a book of notes about that book and that wow. ruthless elimination of hurry is one of those but and, and i don't do that for every book but i try to do that for 80 percent of the books that i read or at least i at least at the end of a book i will just journal the biggest takeaway or like the sure. biggest thing sure so so for me it's not about like it, and this is part of it as I've gotten more into writing. Like I want to, you know, reference different things, but that's where I don't understand how people do it. Like I, I can like try to rack my brain for which book I read this idea in and try to find the page. And it's like impossible. So that's why they have researchers who do that for them. And then, yeah, exactly. And then another thing that I've done is like in the cover of the book, I will write page 26 and then I'll Uh... write like the thing. And I also, 
for my writing project that I'm working on right now, I have like a, I have a hashtag that I will literally write my hashtag in the book so that as I look through it again, I catch it. And then I have a folder on my computer that has all of those like quotes and stuff. So that's so smart. Yeah. So I just try to take like one or two things from a book. I used to try to like remember everything, but now I just try to like just process for 30 minutes and try to think of the one thing that I'm going to remember, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's actually really cool. I like that. I mean, and you know what? I have some practice at it because senior year of North Central, as I was in my uh, last class, that was like a self whatever. Um, I had to read seven books over the course of the semester and write seven book reports to get my grade. And I didn't read any of the books until the last week. And then I wrote seven book reports <laughs> in two days. They were all five pages long. Have you ever read reread those? Oh, no, no. Dude, they're like there's gonna be two pages that are the exact same. Yeah, just, just as I referenced earlier, <laughs> you know, write out the whole sentence again. I know I pulled two all-nighters back to back in order to finish those. And that was so that was me in college. Like I hated reading, and I I would do the bare minimum to get by with a lot of my college like courses and stuff. Right, right, and then right. it was like I was presented you know, a couple books, like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Celt- Celtic Christianity. I have not, no. The, yeah, Celtic Christianity, Master Plan of Evangelism. I started reading books that I cared about, like, that mm. were, like, super exciting. The Divine yeah. Mentor by Wayne Cordero. Yeah, that's like, a good book. There's a, a number of these books that I was reading, you know, 10 years ago, as I was growing in my faith, that was like, oh, there's books that are enjoyable that are helping you grow like closer that are not about public relations yeah yeah so i i just got into that like those kind and then like bob goff i know we've mentioned him a couple times shout out bob um hey bob but he's my hero i love bob goff his his writing style and just like just the storytelling and all that yeah i'll never write like bob but there's a you know in some of the things that i write like i very story oriented and yeah that's part of part of the reason I just love his writing. Yeah. And that's what I firmly believe is um, easy writing or easy reading is hard writing. And that's what I always, I like to say to myself in sermon prep, I say like easy listening yeah. to a sermon is hard research. It's hard writing. It's, it's transitional statements. It's transitional sentences. It's easy. Sure. Tr- it's like, it's hard to write something that's easy to read. And I'm actually quoting Donald Miller. He's the one who said that. So not to steal his quote, shout out you business made shout simple university. Um, but yeah, he, he's the one who said that like easy reading is hard writing. So it's for sure. And that makes a lot of sense. Like if you have a passion for something, you're going to have the drive, but dude, you got to let us know when your book's coming out so we can promote it here on the pod. Sounds good. I'm about 70% done and still cooking so so where are you going to uh who's printing it for you do you know yet i'll do i'll do self i want to do self-publishing um and brad lewis wrote small group university yeah i got like five of them on my shelf yeah and so he did self-publishing amazon's incredible like they'll print on demand and stuff um but then he also went through bethany publishers in minneapolis and so they they will print too. And so I, I don't, I haven't dug into all of that stuff yet. I'm just, I'm like a, 
eight steps ahead guy sometimes. So like I've already written out how I want to like get it out. And, you know, I I think about like, who do I want to have write you know, the forward and for sure, what do I want the cover to look like where I've kind of gotten to the point of like the best book or the ones that are done. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So that's my current focus. Yes, but for sure. And it's, it's, you know, the topic is kind of like living a life of everyday adventure. And Mm. so, um, you know, and, and how, how to like maximize the mundane, like so much of our life is mundane and ordinary. Mm. And so why do we zoom past it? And why do we like live for the weekend, live for retirement, live for vacation, live for this when, you know, the best part of life is what is right in front of us today. And that's the only, the only thing that's guaranteed. And so, absolutely, you know, for, for me, it's just my topic matter is what I'm living. And so it's sometimes frustrating because like, I feel like I'm not living it, you know, Mm -hmm. going back to that, to all like the way this just went full circle right there full circle and so for me writing is sometimes challenging because it's like i'm gonna put this out and then but obviously all that comes back to the real full circle being authentic like i want to hear i want people to hear how it's not just cut and dry simple exactly you know, yep just enjoy just enjoy brushing your teeth you know yeah exactly like, it's not about that it's, no it, you know it's also the fact that like for the longest part of my life, I looked forward to weekends mm. or am and I still do like weekends are great. I love weekends. I mean, weekends typically do mean more intentional time doing the things you love with your family and friends. But also when I became a parent and you might be able to relate to this, there's times where you go, I can't wait for Monday Yeah, because <laughs> like my kid is screaming and tantruming and doing all this stuff. And like, I just can't wait to go back to work. So I have quiet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had those moments in the last like year. And I've like, this book just keeps taking a whole new turn as I'm mm. learning, learning in this season of life. So, so yeah, but I'm excited. It, I, I'm very pumped to just be doing it. And I think that's, if nobody read it, I would be so, I would be ecstatic just because I know that it's something that God's put in my heart. And so, I'm at the point where nobody reads it other than my mom. Like I'll be, I'll be content with that. Come on. That's how you got to get to. That's how I was when I started this podcast and how I am now. Like if literally like no one listens to it, but my mom and your mom and whoever else, like two people. Okay. I'm okay with it. Like it was worth it in the end for me to have this conversation with you. So one thing I want to say on the, uh, on that quote, I love what you said, like living in, in the now, and we had um, this lady at our church. Her name is Laura Coggins, and she was incredible. She said this statement, and um, she raised a big family, and they're all great kids, awesome people. And she said, and I'll never forget when she said this. We were talking about parenting. She said, the days are long, but the years are short. I'll never forget that she said that. She's like, the days are long, but the years are short. So when the day is yeah. long with your child, remember that you're going to look back and the years are short. And I just like, I've thought about that a million times. And it's one of those things of like, okay, Hey, today's going to be, it feels long, feels hard, but the years are short and I want to live and enjoy this moment, 
in the tantrums, like, okay, in between the tantrums, I'm going to still try to laugh and tickle you and whatever, like, we're going to have a good time and make a joke and funny voices and all that stuff. Because right. I know like the years are short and all of a sudden I'm going to poof and it's going to be, you know, you're a teenager now and taking swings at me, right. I'm sure with my son who has my aggression. So <laughs> that's amazing. No, that's so good though. It, yeah. And that, like, I feel like, you know, Kinsey's going on three and a half or she's three and a half. And it just feels like, man, I remember when I became a dad, like just yesterday, you yeah, know, for sure. Now our, our son's, our son's going to be two in February. And it's just like, it's just wild how fast it goes. Yet. I think so many times we just kind of get caught up in like this longing for the next, like exactly waiting for them to go to elementary school or, you know, yep. like it's all in good intention. It's like, we're tired or like right. you, whatever. And, right. and also we just like, I look forward to like when my kids play sports or when they, right. you know, when they hit those stuff. milestones. Yeah. But you know, when you think about like, I mean, again, just being at a 12 year old's funeral and like looking into the mom's eyes and yeah. Wow. And, and just seeing that you just go like, you know what she would do to see exactly. her three and a half year old son again you know and 100%, so it's just like yeah. so it's it's not ever perfect like it's not like i just wake up every day and just nail it like <laughs> i 100 i get an a today i lived in every moment you know but and i think that's just like the grace that i'm still learning is just like jesus doesn't want our perfection he just wants us and he wants you know i mean just following jesus is just like it's such a simple concept of like i it follow is. jesus in the in the good the bad you know and in the times it doesn't make sense the times it does when i make a mistake following jesus means going back and apologizing before you know my wife you know makes me realize like how dumb i am or something you know <laughs> Or whatever like so yeah I, I don't know just to follow jesus in our everyday lives what does that what does that really look like and exactly. what does it look like with with the the small details of our day and you know how we look forward to like i just had this epiphany one day i was like sometimes you know your kids waking up can be a jarring experience because you kind of go from like zero to 100 real fast oh yeah and and it was just like this epiphany of like, why not instead of like dreading that, not dreading it, but like, what if we look forward to it and just mm. go, you know, I'm looking forward to when she gives me that big hug. And when I'm looking forward to hearing her yell daddy, even though it's like in a very aggressive tone, cause she wants to get out of her bed. Like, <laughs> but it means that I get to spend time with her, you know, like it, yeah. it gets, it means that I get to, we get to brush our teeth or like whatever the case is. And so it's just a lot of, that and there's just so much grace that's found in in those everyday moments for sure so yeah absolutely i appreciate it well with that said i know we got the link in the description for pre-ordering steven's book so make sure you hit the <laughs> we just need to get that motivation going like 70 percent of the way let's start putting pre-orders in I'd say let's start the bidding at 21.95 what do you think around there 21 21.95 hey Whatever we got to do, you know. Exactly. If, if that's I mean, what it I, takes to get this thing done. That feels fair for a hardcover in my mind. You know what I mean? I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely <laughs> fair. 
No, dude, thank you so much for uh, for joining me on the pod, man. I think it's been really cool. I appreciate everything you've shared. And um, we'll be on the lookout for the book and any A1 stuff for sure. We'll be championing it all the way, man. Well, thanks, Jeff, for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah, I had a man. blast just hanging, hanging with you. And it's just crazy that people are actually going to listen to this. So they will. <laughs> Maybe just good, a few. Uh, no, I, I appreciate you thinking of me. And it's been an honor. So love it. Yeah, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Where They've Been. Man, I love Steven's story. I felt like there were so many different things that stuck out to me, and I know you yeah. have things that stuck out to you. So one of the things I want to say that stuck out to me first was, first of all, he's just an incredibly nice guy. Like, Oh, my gosh, the nicest. Awesome. I've known him a hung out with yeah. him before yep. the podcast, hung out with him after. Yeah. Like, just like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But yep. beyond that, like I love his faith and his like just the reality of him and his wife being like, we're going to move across the country, leave right. something that we're so comfortable in that we're really yep. like leading. Yeah. And he was modest about it, but like they were a part of like one of, in my a opinion, huge, the best Chi Alphas yeah. in the Midwest. Agreed. Um, Agreed. If not the nation, like incredible yep. Chi Alpha. And they were yep. doing great things, reaching so many people. Yeah. Just like, to leave that and to take and step into the unknown because you feel like that's what God's leading you to. Yeah. Like he shared about Abraham. Man, yep. that was just like, holy cow. And I love yeah. the thing that he said about his family. Like he wants to live a life that's intentionally following Jesus, not accidentally following Jesus, mm -hmm. but like intentionally each and every day following yeah. Jesus. Like those are things that I think just like make up who he is as a person. Just right. an incredible guy. Love my conversation yep. with him. I'm, he was incredible. Yeah, no, I thought it was so, and honestly, just what I was thinking about him too, is he's like the definition of walking by faith. Like that was 100%, like, yeah. And, I, and I'd met him a couple of times at some Kai Alpha events in the past and we've been friends, you know, in the sense of like social media, seeing things he's been up to, but I've always thought of him as someone that's just like, Hey, God's calling me to do it. I'm going to do it. And so just right. hearing more of his story that I didn't know before, I was just blown away. And as always, I take notes just before you and I record and things like that. And one yeah. thing that he talked about is he's like talking about, you know, you know, have that mindset of you, you're going to stay forever where God's calling you, but also have the ability to, if God calls you to leave tomorrow. Right. And then he said, he, this quote was, I want to live for hard goodbyes. And yeah, I was that, like, was, that was a boom point. Let's right there. go. Yeah. Because it's like, that shows the intentionality behind community. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and again, talking about, you know, the Kyle that he's had up there, the communities had, he's had up there, like, that's how we should be living. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be living with like, ah, oh, if I, if I leave and go out East, like my, my friends and family won't really care that much. It's like, no, you should want to live for having those hard goodbyes. Right hundred percent. So that, that yeah. was so, so good. Yeah. I mean, it, he had so many other things I think he even said, or I said in the podcast, like that was a boom point. Right you did. There. And that's what made me write it down. Yeah. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. wow, like yep. that is so true because I went through yep. one of those situations ourselves. Like we knew we were leaving. Right. We didn't really share that with anything, anybody yep. yet. Yeah. But it was a situation where you're like, I got to stay present here, even though I feel like I'm called it, it was it's a difficult thing to do right and I he never like said he it was easy it. that's yeah. the thing is he never said oh it's the most it was the easiest decision no he talked about the difficulty of it yeah and um, i think he did it way better than i did like honestly like no. I, I wish i would have had this conversation back then so i could be like oh yeah maybe i should just try it this way you know what i mean frame it a little better right exactly. no I, exactly um 
yeah, and just hearing more of his story, it's just so cool to, to hear not. And obviously I think people know him. Some people like know him after, you know, with um, AO1 and Carson Wentz, like people know him after that fact, you know, just like, oh, he's that's sweet. He's he knows Carson Wentz. He's friends with it. Like, but to actually realize that that's a part of who he is, but he's so much more than that. Right. You know, so especially if someone's listening now that like maybe, you know, found this podcast from someone that like, you know, that's a guy up with Carson Wentz with AO1, like hopefully you've seen like he's so much more than that mm -hmm. that's just another facet of like his strengths like just the leading that he, he's been doing there as well um which is just just shows goes to show with the kind of leader that he is like kind of multi-dimensional with that right for sure yeah he just top-notch leader top-notch right. guy like yep. i learned so much it was super challenging for me yeah. and super refreshing just to just to hang out with him yeah. so it was so just an awesome i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast it was mm -hmm. it was really I know cool I did. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I want to end. I know sometimes we do some good news. Sometimes we do some other news, but I want to celebrate you a little bit because you actually completed your goal of reading 50 books in a year, six weeks early, because we're true. in November right now. Yep. And man, congrats to you. Thank I did you. not make it through one book this year. <laughs> I started two and didn't make it through one. So that's sad and it makes me feel depressed. So in that, would you please share maybe two of your books that you'd like the most or maybe yeah. like a, th a thought that really just like encourage you? Because like, I really think it's that's a really huge accomplishment. That's a ton of time. In, and you didn't read like, it's not like yeah. you read like, you know, like 50 Clifford, the big no, red dogs. Definitely you not. know what I mean? Not yet anyway. That's after the baby's born. Right. If I'm <laughs> counting books though. <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, think it, about it. You read Hudson some books. I read him about three, four books every night. So I may you're, have, you're have probably, you beat. You're probably above me. Exactly. I'm like in the thousands right now. Thousands. Get on of my the level, Cliffords. son. Let's go. Um, no, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's something that I think for me, I've had to develop my love for reading. It wasn't mm -hmm. something that just randomly started. I, For me, it did come from a, a place of wanting to... I have, I have this fear of being ignorant. Mm. Like I just, I, I never want to be ignorant and I know that there's things that I am ignorant of. So it started with, Hey, I want to learn more. And especially with being in ministry. It was like, I want to know, like, as a Christian, why do we believe these things? Right. Not just because the Bible says, so, but like, let me go to the deep heart of the matter. And so that over the last few years has developed and said, okay, there's other books I can read. What are, and what about books about leadership? And then there's fiction books. Like I've heard this was a great fiction book. What can I read for that? And so the one thing, like I've got two books. First one was actually the last book I just read. So I just finished this one is by good old Navy SEAL Jocko Willink. Mm -hmm. um, and he's got a few books, but I just read it's called Leadership Strategy and Tactics. And he honestly uses a lot of examples, like as when he was like in the Navy SEALs and just saying, hey, if you've got, you know, a team member that's doing this, or if you want to get a promotion, this is how you should act. And he talks a lot about humility, which you think a Navy SEAL wouldn't be talking about humility, but he just talks about hum having humility is one of the strongest like traits of a leader. Hmm. And that was a good challenge, right? Because, you know, I'm just like, okay, that's an interesting thing, like just to be aware of, you know, and mm -hmm. then um, another yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So to me, that was just like a, a crazy, like, I like, it's a book that I'll probably reread again. And just cause you guys were talking about it, um, it was like the last few minutes of the, of the pot of like the actual podcast itself, you know, I retain a lot of information just cause I also underline and write things down. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but also I, I try to talk. I always usually, you know, talk to my wife about it or like talking about it after I've read it sure. or even this is really nerdy of me, but I will like, look, I'll like go to the Wikipedia page of the book and then just read, Hey, what did they put down as like the plot for it? Just oh, you learned that in high school too. When you were cheating on your <laughs> Well, that's true. Back in high school, I did not read actual books back then. Um, but yeah, spark so notes. spark notes. So I would for sure highly recommend that. And Live No Lies, which Jeffrey, you have to get that. I know you mentioned it, but um, by John Mark Homer, so good. I finished that in a day. What? Yeah. Well, John Mark Homer writes that way though, where I'm just like, he does I'm finish this. Like, so I read that. In JMC, a day. you're on so you're on good. sabbatical right now. Just know. So you're not going to hear this ever. But um, we love you. But anyway, so those are the two that I have to highlight. Is um, his John Mark Homer's Live No Lies um, and Leadership Strategy and Tactics by Jocko Willink. So come on. Um, but anyway, it's. My goal in reading is never to, you know, be better than anyone else. It's truly to be a better version of myself. So I'm like, let me read Boom. some more books, you know? So that's where I'm at. I love it. That's so cool. Not to be a better person than you, but to be a better version of yourself. That's the whole yeah. goal. How can we be a better version of ourselves? Exactly. And how can we can continue to grow? I think about that, yeah. like what I said, legitimately, if I yeah. had been able to hear a podcast like this five years ago, right? I would have been going through seasons of transition differently. Yeah. Exactly. Because I would have been like, oh, man, what if I try this? What if I try to be here forever, but be yeah. okay leaving tomorrow? Like mm, those little things, huge. like yeah. that's the whole goal of why we want to share where we've been. Exactly. This podcast, because I believe the power is lying in those stories yep. that maybe you're in a season of transition right now, or maybe you're mm -hmm. in a season where you need to grow in yourself. You need yep. to grow humility or, or you need yeah. to grow in faith. Yep. You need to grow in these things you can glean from the stories of the people that we bring on yeah. as we ignorantly joke around <laughs> that's around right. them and yeah and try to move through the conversation because that's the heart of it is that if we all learn from one another we'll be better together and we'll move exactly. on together boom points right now let's go that's good let's word, go man. on yep. that note we'll see you again soon we love you guys have a great day bye, bye.